Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Wonderful Women of Golf. I'm Rick Wolfel. Nicole Parker enrolled in college hoping to become a nurse, but spending her summers working at the Magna Golf Club not far from Toronto opened her eyes to a career in turf. When this episode of Wonderful Women of Golf was recorded, Parker was the second assistant superintendent of the Ladies Golf Club of Toronto in Thornhill, Ontario. She has since moved on to Cabot Cape Breton in Inverness, Nova Scotia. Over the next little while, Parker will share her story with you and relate how the members of her former club inspired her. We're honored to have Nicole Parker with us on this edition of Wonderful Women of Golf. Nicole, welcome to Wonderful Women of Golf. We're glad to have you with us. We know this is a very busy time of year for you and your fellow superintendents and uh, appreciate your taking the time with us today. No, I appreciate you guys having me here. Let's start at the beginning. You got into turf in kind of a unique way. You were a nursing student at the time when you got the, when the passion hit you, if, if you will. So why don't you tell us that story about how you got interested in the turf industry. Yes. So I was a summer student working at Magna Golf Club here in Aurora, and I was just completing my nursing degree. And about three years in, I kind of just decided maybe nursing's not my thing. I had always had a love for environmental aspects and being in nature and with nature. So I quickly switched my degree from nursing to an environmental landscape program. At that point in my kind of academic career, I didn't want to specialize yet. I wanted to keep it broad and see what I could find within that realm. And then in 2019, we had hosted the CP Women's Open. And at that point, that's when I really decided that I was gonna divulge into turf and make a dedicated career out of that. So that summer, while we were actually hosting the CP Women's Open, is when I enrolled in my turf education at Penn State. So what was that experience like going through the program at Penn State? It's one of the best in the world, but it's a lot thrown at you relatively quickly. Was that a little bit overwhelming for you? Uh, I wouldn't say overwhelming, although it was definitely a different perspective being completely online. But I did appreciate the profs there and the extra kind of step they went in kind of projecting their information. I found that a lot of them did more than just post a PowerPoint online. And they did upload their recorded lectures from the in-class lecture. Or they found outside resources to kind of add into their uh, talk of that week. Going through that two-year program, did that make you even more sure that this was what you wanted to do? Yes, I fully enjoyed that program, and it definitely helped with my love for turf and my further knowledge in turf, because up until then, I had kind of just been a general laborer with no background. So you have been at your present location, the Ladies Golf Club of Toronto, now in your third season, you've been there since January of 2020. 
A little bit about the club for those who are not familiar with it. It is the only private club in North America that is that remains that was organized by women, is run by women even now. It has a wonderful history to it, and from an architectural point of view, it was designed by Stanley Thompson, one of the greatest architects of all time, certainly the greatest in Canadian history, and would certainly stand alongside any architectural any architect in the world. So you have that history, and your role there, there isn't anything that you don't do there from looking at your resume and going through the preparation for this. So why don't you provide us with an overview of all that you are involved in day to day because it's quite an extensive list of responsibilities even for an assistant superintendent. I think uh, COVID definitely played a part in my extensive responsibility at the ladies, mainly because I did start at the beginning of the pandemic there. So my duties mainly consist of, I am the spray tech on site. So I will do all the applications. I do all the record keeping, scouting, IPM for the course as well. I'm also kind of in charge of training and managing our seasonal staff members. And then this year, I've kind of got into also the hiring process and filtering through resumes for potential seasonal staff. I definitely was not limited to my fair share of cultural practices and helping where needed, when needed, whether that be walk mowing greens, cutting teas, even trimming sprinkler heads with scissors, and kind of anything else the superintendent threw my way. Uh, just because we are short staff like everyone here in our industry the past few years, I kind of filled the spots where needed. Being that versatile, and I have always felt that being versatile is an advantage in any line of work, certainly in yours. But your resume says you're able to operate any piece of equipment that's on the property and you have a wide range of day-to-day -day things that you are responsible for. How has that benefited you in that there really aren't a lot of situations that you aren't trying to deal with? I think it just helps in any aspect because it means if there's a need for something, I have the ability to fill that position myself. Or if there's a lack in one practice over the other, again, I can fill it by myself. It also helps us when we're kind of in hard spots in terms of what our staff are trained for and the overlap for that, I can then also, again, kind of just cover where needed. I would say overall, it's been very, very helpful. Particularly now because so many clubs are short-staffed at the present time. How big is your staff there? Prior to COVID, we typically held about 23 seasonal staff members. In the peak of both last season and the season before, we were at about 16, 17. So how do your responsibilities change in terms of prioritizing what has to get done versus what you would like to get done? Thankfully, with 17 staff members, we did have to prioritize. However, the greens, tees, fairways, all the high priority items were always covered. It was your small detail-oriented things that kind of you had to scale back and pick carefully what got done and when. 
but we always manage to find a way. Is that a big part of making it work? Having a clear idea in your mind what the priorities are and then making the adjustments as necessary? I would say so. Uh, for us in particular, we always do our high priority items. So greens, tees, fairways in the morning. And we do the small uh, detail stuff in the afternoon. So even if it doesn't get done Monday afternoon, we can always make sure it gets done either Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Now, you mentioned that you were involved in the hiring process and certainly the training process. That's a major part of your job. What kind of things are you looking for when you bring somebody on board? And what are the things that you emphasize as far as the training process goes? Now, again, that's fairly new. I only kind of stepped into the hiring role this year. However, me personally, I like to see that they're presentable, that they're well-spoken, and that they, they're straightforward with what they want. Because us as a club, we found that sometimes offering the seasonal staff part-time hours versus full-time hours helps with staffing. So it definitely helps when they can just be honest and say, hey, I, I can't commit to 40 hours, rather than them starting and then going back on that commitment. Another thing I kind of look out for is how much effort do they put in, either in terms of writing a cover letter, was their resume a little deep, like did they put effort into their resume? Uh, we also ask some questions in the app online application process. Did they answer them? That's a big one. We find that a lot of the seasonal staff aren't taking the time to even answer the questions. Did they put effort into them again? Those kind of aspects, I believe, are very important in hiring. In terms of training, I just like to see that they're receptive and they ask questions where questions need to be asked rather than just saying they understand when they really don't. Do you find that new hires sometimes fall into that trap? I know early in my own career, I did, that I was afraid to ask questions because I was afraid to look foolish. So do you find that some of your new hires get into that pattern? Believe me, I was the same. I was definitely intimidated when I got my first job in the industry and intimidated by the equipment a little bit. I think because of my age and the fact that I'm very close in age to our staff members, that helps with a few kind of connection and our ability to have honest conversations about that. However, I do see how some of ours do get intimidated by the superintendent or the assistant. It can be an intimidating process getting started in a new job, whether it's in your field or whether somebody else's. What about you? When you were getting started, who were some of the people who influenced you? Even if you didn't interact with them directly, people maybe that you saw in the industry or noticed from afar, if you will, and were impressed by how they went about doing their own jobs. Um, if we go right back to the beginning, I believe I had a very strong relationship with three core members there at Magna. Um, towards the end, I definitely had a growing relationship with the superintendent. 
Um, I also had a very friendly and familiar uh, relationship with the second assistant that actually hired me and got me into that position. And then at the time, and actually the whole time I was at Magna, there was a female filling the role of spray tech and doing administrative duties. I got really close to her and she was kind of the one that pulled me into the industry and took me under her wing and got me out into the women in golf uh, seminars. And we went to a few different events like that over the four years that I was there. So I believe she played a big part. She also introduced me to uh, Miranda Robinson, who I know is very out there and outspoken in our industry. So I use her as a big mentor as well. More recently, another Women in Turf outreach program has begun, and it's run by Morgan. It's a group where she's taken a whole bunch of assistants or superintendents in our industry and paired them up with students who are trying to get into turf. So it's a whole group of women, either professionals or students trying to get into the industry where we can have discussions, have Zoom meetings, basically so you have someone to reach out to and bounce ideas off of. Here at the ladies, I was very lucky that the assistant also happens to be female, which definitely helped with my guidance and my learning experience. Again, and not to say that men are intimidating as a general statement, but when you're asking what you seem are foolish questions, it's more of a comfort zone, if you know what I'm saying. I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> Keep going, or you're doing fine. So those are kind of my core influencers and people that I like to reach out to when I have bumps in the road here and there. What was it like to work that LPGA event at your previous post? See what goes into preparation for a major event. That's the biggest women's golf event in Canada. See world-class players up close, what they like about a golf course, what impresses them, just to to be involved in all that for a week, the week of a tournament, and then the time leading up to it. Outstanding. That's what I would use to describe that. You definitely have to take a step back, take it all in, and just learn and see and get as many opportunities as you can in those situations. Um, I was also lucky enough to meet with Guy and talk with him a bit there towards the end. And thanks to him, he kind of put my name out there and I did make a lot of connections via Turf Twitter uh, that have been useful in my career so far. It's been very helpful to us to seeing so many of your colleagues on Twitter that we follow now or that follow us and have been part of this series. And they have taught me a lot about the industry. And whether male or female, the people in your industry are so generous about sharing their knowledge and wanting others to be as passionate about the turf industry as they are. And it's really a wonderful group of people to be around and work with. We get a lot of enjoyment out of it. What about your own club? The fact that it is run by women, and yes, men are allowed on the golf course, folks, in certain circumstances, but the club is run by women for women. 
to have women on the turf staff sends, I think, a very strong message as far as female empowerment and what is possible for women, whether in your field or in another one. But that's a message that I think really resonates. Yes. It, the club definitely does as much as they can to portray that and to continue to empower their female, well, all of their staff. However, they definitely want to see the females succeed and the members are more than open to talk about their own struggles in their own industries and how they got where they are today. They definitely strive on the history of our club and how it became what it is today. Overall, it's a very empowering and positive environment, and I've enjoyed every second of working there. What's been the most satisfying part of your career journey from when it started, say, six or actually more than that, I guess, uh, I guess seven or eight years ago now, but from where it started to where you are now, what has given you the most satisfaction? There's a few things. I would, personally, I would say that the ability to grow and the never-ending knowledge there is out there to learn about our industry is a big thing that kind of drew me in and kept me in. Another thing is that you can reach out to anybody in their in our industry, whether you know them or not, and they're, they're going to help you to the best of their abilities, and they're going to share their story if that's what you ask. You will be taking another step in your journey in the not-too-distant future, and by the time this podcast airs, you will be moving on to a new position, so we will let you speak to that for a little bit. Yes, I'm very excited very excited to take you on this next role. Um, in the next coming weeks, I'll actually be taking on a position at Cabot Cape Breton. For the most part, I'll be working at the Lynx course. However, I may have the ability to work at Cabot Cliffs as well a little bit here and there. And I'm just, I'm excited because it'll be a completely different environment going from a private course here in Ontario to more of a Lynx style where they have a lot more fescue and the different cultural practices, I believe there will be a lot to learn and they'll be able to provide that. It sounds like you're looking forward to that learning process and uh, taking another step forward. Yes, absolutely. What does it mean to you to have the support of the members where you are now because their support enabled you to grow professionally and prepare yourself uh, for what comes next? It means everything to me. Honestly, it was a great stepping stone in my career. And the fact that the women empowerment was so strong where I was is unmatched. Nicole, we thank you for joining us and uh, making the time. We thank you for all you have done for the game that you and your peers have done for the game and wish you continued success. Thank you. Thank you so much. Nicole Parker, our guest on this edition of Wonderful Women of Golf. We thank all of you for joining us, and we thank you and our audience for all you do for the game of golf and for those of us who play it. For Nicole Parker, my name is Rick Wolfel. We thank you for joining us and invite you to join us next time.